You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm just bored with all these easy Bucks road wins, uh, Eric. You know, just uh, <laughs> ho-hum, Giannis, 30, 15, 9 assists, 3 blocks. Uh, just, just outraged that Malcolm Brogdon's revolutionary war musket could uh could not crank up a, a three as Giannis went assist hunting in the fourth quarter for that triple double that that was really the uh the biggest downside of tonight's uh tonight's game which the bucks of course won easily 113 uh in brooklyn and um yeah i mean we we're just spoiled now that's that's just kind of how it is <laughs> yeah no I, I don't even think it's uh uh, boring Bucks basketball is not 15 win variety Bucks basketball. It is they just dominate teams. <laughs> Bucks basketball. It's it's a strange it's a strange world that we live in. But yeah, after dropping their first on a five game road trip to Oklahoma City last Sunday, they've now rattled off four straight wins and get to come home on Wednesday and continue their uh, their way towards the towards the all-star break where they go kind of every other. And then Friday and Saturday, they have a back-to-back Dallas and Orlando. Um, So just kind of a a period where they're just going to kind of keep playing and playing and playing and get themselves up to the all-star break, but it doesn't seem to affect them much. Uh, They beat the Nets 113-94 tonight. And I mean, I think this, this game recap is going to be pretty quick. Uh, The Nets, through a junk defense at the Bucks, so uh, we talked about Mike Prado wondering if more teams are going to try gimmicky stuff on the Bucks, and that is what the Nets did. They played some zone, and then they did their Jared Allen kind of one man zone kind of stuff, and just tried to junk it up as much as possible for the Bucks. And I mean, to their credit, it could kind of worked from the three point line tonight. The Bucks were just ten of thirty nine, and you know, outside of Giannis, no one really had a great offensive night. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone I'm forgetting. Maybe George Hill was okay. Um, Ursan Ilyasova was two out of eight, which is phenomenal by by Ursan's recent standards. <laughs> Nine boards, seven offensive rebounds, lots of tapa tapa. So shout out to Ursan for trying and actually scoring a basket for the first time in you know almost 60 minutes of, uh, of game action. So we'll see if that means anything, but uh, no, yeah, it was not a, it was not a banner night offensively. And, you know, you look at the Bucks' offensive rating, this 106.8. Um, this was, uh, you know, you see 113 uh, in terms of points, but it was a really fast paced game. And certainly um, that masked, I think some of the inefficiency, although I think anybody who watched that game, you know, would not have been surprised to hear that, 
the Bucks shot poorly from three and the Nets shot far worse than that. Um, as you said, 10 for 39 from the Bucks, five out of 42 for Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, Brooklyn is not going to win many basketball games when they shoot five out of 42 from three. No, they're not. They, they, they really are not. And, you know, I was talking about it on a couple of radio hits today and it was just like, you know, this is the type of team that could, you know, make things difficult for the Bucks. You know, if they're at home, they get going, they shoot enough threes that can really throw off the variance of outcomes in a game. And, well, um, I was right about it throwing off the variance of, uh, of outcomes, but in the wrong direction, rather than going 25 of 42 from three, they went five of 42 from three. Um, and I mean, uh, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm all for shooting threes, but I mean, there was a good batch of those that were just not good shots. Like they were some contested threes. Shabazz Napier was 0 for 10 from the three point line. Uh, like just not great, Bob. No, it was, it was ugly stuff. And, um, you know, I, I think some of the stuff we, we kind of talk about, talked about before the game kind of ended up playing out where I, I think we we both believed Eric Bledsoe was going to do everything in his power to make sure the coaches knew that they got it wrong and he should have taken the the injury replacement spot from Victor Oladipo instead of D'Angelo Russell and yeah he he pretty much did that. Russell goes 7 of 20 on the night, 18 points for him and you know, was just generally bothered by Bledsoe throughout the night. And I thought Bledsoe just kind of put his stamp on that game early. I think three first half steals, he ends the game with five steals on the night. And when, when the Bucks really started to push things away in that first quarter, when they took a little bit of a lead there, I thought it was kind of Bledsoe defensively. And then uh, when they go up 36-22, uh, or they take that 36-22 third quarter to give themselves a big lead in the third, you know, I thought all of that sort of started with Bledsoe kind of getting it going there. And uh, I think it's a steal and an alley-oop with Giannis, if I remember correctly, in the third quarter. And, you know, just just kind of got everything going. He probably also had the highlight of the night where he, uh, I mean, he had that, that play where he cooked Russell with that, mm. like, crossover into like a spin move for a layup um that was the like you know f you you took my all-star spot move of the night um but yeah i thought uh you know he he looked like very much engaged eric bledsoe defensively um that said uh, you know all the nets including russell missed open threes too um so you know uh, this is one of those nights where the uh the three-point gods definitely smiled upon the bucks but um, was nice to see Eric once again. You know, we, we've had, he's had a few games late where it seemed like maybe that three ball is working a little bit better tonight. Just that that shot was not dropping. Just one out of seven from three, but um, fifteen points. What five five assists, five steals. Um, he was uh, he was definitely active and uh, yeah. I mean, nice to see to see him. You know, kind of clamp down on, on Russell a bit because Russell's you know got rewarded as we uh, as I cynically said he got rewarded for basically like the best month of his career with an All Star spot. Um, mm-hmm. So um, a little well timed small sample size uh, theater, but um, but yeah, seven out of twenty you'll gladly take that from Russell. Just eighteen points. He's not efficient. Period. And tonight he was very inefficient and uh, he had lots of company. Napier, yeah, that O of ten night was uh, that's something. Um, and I got to say too, um, Rodion's Kurek, Kuroks has been like a really nice guy, a ni- nice guy, <laughs> nice player, uh, really swell dude. Um, no, but m- maybe, <laughs> but, uh, 
but a very nice piece for them as a rookie. I mean, he's been surprisingly good, um, but not against the Bucks. He was 0 for 5 the first time these teams played. Giannis yammed on him. Um, it just seems like he's been uh, like a, I don't know, like a, like a VW Beetle, like stuck on the tracks when Giannis's freight train has come through and just, uh, I think Chris kind of worked him, uh, for a, f- a couple buckets after Giannis went, out. I think that was in the third quarter. Yep. Chris had a little spurt where he was just like, you know, had blood in the water and just, uh, smelled that rookie meat. <laughs> just cooked him a few times too. Yep. So, uh, Kuroks, I think two out of 15 against the Bucks has not looked good offensively and defensively is, is very slight of frame. He's six, nine, but, um, pretty narrow guy not a lot of strength and um yeah if you're not strong uh Giannis in particular is is going to hunt you out and you know Allen I thought you know he had a a block on Giannis early I think he had another one at some point but um you know he we've seen him obviously he's a good shot blocker uh he's gotten at least a little bit of revenge for Giannis just posterizing him with a couple of awesome dunks last year um but you know as much as they tried to kind of gum up the works with zone defenses and um you know it's just general kind of junkiness um you know Giannis Giannis found spots and Giannis did Giannis things and was pretty you know like some of those those you know guy who's who's you know five years older than the little other little kids um plays that we saw against the Wizards he had a few more of those tonight as well going coast to coast and nearly had another one at the end of the first half that just didn't get off in time I think there was like 3.1 on the clock and um you know he got it took the inbounds I think around half court and somehow almost finished at before time expired as well. So I think the one time we will ever curse his hands being that large. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't get it out in time. Should have, should have let the ball bounce another, another, uh, another foot um, before he picked it up. But, um, but yeah, again, um, you know, a little hard to, to say. Uh, I, one thing, one thing I'll, I'll say this, like I like having teams just like try different things. Like, I want the Bucks to see zone defense. I mean, this isn't the first time the Bucks have seen a zone defense. Um, for some reason, the first team I'm thinking of is like the Heat have tried it against them, and you know, obviously, they were the first game they this, yep. they were horrible on that back to back, and then the second game, the Heat just could not do anything with the Bucks, and they just got you know throttled. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've seen zone defenses at times, um, but it's you know, it's kind of those things like Giannis. Even though you, I always think of like three-point shooters his zone busters but um Giannis because you can just you know he just basically like tonight like in the second half he just was like found like a wing kind of post up spot where nobody nobody was like really trying to seal him and he's like okay I'm just going to pressure your defense and try to you know basically weave between all these dudes and when you collapse then I'll just pass it and you know again if there was an easy way to defend Giannis um people would be doing it all the time but there isn't and uh we got to see uh uh, you know, another stat stat padding night for Giannis. Uh, had a few chances to get that tenth triple double, but uh, or sorry, tenth assist. Um, I think Bud gave them a little leash to try to go for it, but um, ultimately Brogdon missed a couple threes, and um, eventually they said, "All right, Giannis, we're not going to leave you in here too long with uh, with the game out of reach." So, thirty two minutes for Giannis. That was the most of any starter. Uh, Middleton only twenty five, Lopez twenty two, Bledsoe twenty seven. Brogdon 26, so nice to see those guys not have to uh, put in too much too much hard work um, on uh, on the night. Even though they aren't on a back to back, you know they they do have one coming up this weekend. So not needing to to, to extend the starters too much uh, is definitely a positive. And um, I I, uh, I gotta say, I mean, it's obviously you just 
kind of say, all right, keep keep doing what you're doing. Games coming up this weekend um, with you know Washington, Dallas, and then um, Orlando. You know, I'll obviously, obviously all games that you look on the schedule and you say, all right, guys, just keep doing this, keep racking up those wins, keep keep banking them. Um, and <laughs> hard to believe their Bucks are at 39 wins already, uh, and we're not even at the All Star break. I mean, you know, the what, do the Bucks have? Uh, I haven't looked at it yet. Let's see. The Bucks have one, two, three, four, five games before the All Star break. You know what that means, Eric? They could have a better record or the same record as last year. Same number of wins. Yeah. By yep. the All Star break, yes. Yeah, pretty pretty nuts. What was it? I think um, was it the year that Brandon Knight got traded? So I guess that was fourteen, fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, that they were what like thirty and twenty two, I believe, at the All Star break. And that felt like amazing, like like amazing. Oh my God, the Bucks! Things are going so well for the Bucks, and you know now they're at thirty nine and thirteen, and it's just like, yep, this team's just <laughs> a machine right now. And don't want to jinx it, you know. Got to take care of business against these kind of meh teams. But um, you know, the rest of the schedule, as I said, Wizards, Mavs, and Magic between now and Saturday, Monday in Chicago, and then um, Wednesday in Indiana. Um, so that, that'll, you know, on paper, that's obviously the toughest one, even with, uh, Indy not looking as good since, uh, Victor Oladipo's injury, but obviously on the road, um, and especially given what the Pacers can do defensively, that that's a game that obviously, uh, you'd love to, to take, uh, going into the all-star breaks. So anyway, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but, um, there's not a whole lot to talk about in this one. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, uh, th- that's 30 and 23, the bucks were at the all-star break, uh, before yeah i think that's right yeah before they yeah 30 and 23 yeah 30 and 23 um that season i, I was just going to say you know there there's just a there's a level of confidence and swagger that this team starts to play with um you know i, I think in the last month they've kind of found it and obviously you know i mentioned uh the ridiculous stretch they've kind of been on uh, the last little, little while where I think it's 20 of their last 24, 21 of their last 25 or somewhere in that uh, ballpark at this point. But, you know, when, when Eric Bledsoe can go into a game knowing, Hey, this guy got my spot that I wanted. So I'm going to go out there and prove a point and he can do it. And he can get a chance to sun him a couple times when he, he, you know, gets him on an ISO and he can hit a spin move and yank him a few times. And all of a sudden you just have a highlight. And then you have Chris Middleton understand that he's got roadie on him and he's just like, all right, here we go. And rattle off. I I think it was like a six or eight point run for him. And then that included a, uh, crossover to a behind-the-back kickout to Brooke Lopez, who couldn't handle the pass quite right, so he opted for a glacial drive where he just kind of ran through uh, a net player and throws up a floater, and you know, like that's just kind of how it is. And then you can open the fourth quarter, and everyone on planet Earth knows Giannis is going to go for a triple-double. And proceeds to do so for seven minutes, and your lead is barely affected in any way. Like, they're just on a level at this point where, you know, there's going to be certain nights where they just think they're better. 
in every individual matchup on the floor. And I think it would be inarguable tonight. Like every single matchup was in the Bucks' favor and they knew it. And it didn't matter that they didn't shoot particularly well. It didn't matter that they weren't playing particularly well. They got to halftime. The zone kind of annoyed them a little bit. And then they came out in the third quarter. Giannis got it into the middle of it, like you mentioned. He started screening. Bledsoe started attacking it. And they just went to work and, and took care of the Nets. And that's been the story of this season. We've talked about the Bucks third quarters before. And, you know, we're, we saw it again tonight. So I don't know if there's a whole lot more to add to this one other than the Bucks are are pretty pretty damn good. And I don't think that should come to a surprise to any Bucks fan uh, at this point. Maybe it'll surprise uh, people who haven't watched the Bucks, but if you've watched them, obviously I don't think a whole lot there that will surprise you. Um, another thing that we talked about before the game that we are kind of seeing again was there was one player that picked up a DNP tonight, and it was Thon Maker. He was the only player that did not play. And, um, you know, I said it after the last game, but if if it's not clear to you by now, Bud's proven a point. And again, maybe the Bucks will be able to trade uh, Maker. I know Woj tweeted it out yesterday. Brandon Windhorst talked about it on his podcast today that the Bucks, you know, are looking around uh, on that. But I'm I'm not the biggest believer that they're actually going to try to trade Thon. I think it very much a message is being sent that you don't you don't do stuff like that during the middle of a great season uh, when you've been in the rotation just two weeks ago. Like that's, that's just not going to happen. That's not going to be okay uh, under Mike Boonholzer. And I'm sure Bud is quite pleased that he can do something like that and not really endanger his team. <laughs> they just, they just keep winning, you know, uh, where you can suffer through those Ursan scoreless minutes and, and still find a way to, to win games. So I'm sure he's happy about that. Um, anything else from this game before we go through, I guess, just uh, rumors and all sorts of other stuff on the periphery of the team? I vote for rumors and innuendo. Let's do it. All right. So I mentioned what Brian Windhorst said about Thon Maker uh, on his podcast with Jack McMullen and Tim McMahon today. Um, he mentioned that the that the Bucks are trying with Maker, but they're also looking to sell off Tony Snell. And again, it's tough to know exactly what what his trade market looks like if he's played well enough this year to be considered a not wholly negative asset with his contract that goes for a couple of years now. But, you know, with the bucks, that would be to me, what they're trying to do there is, you know, if you move off that Tony Snell money, then you've cleaned up your, your cap space for a little while and you can hopefully handle things a little bit easier. So um, that would be my guess in that. And I, I, I know we, I'm trying to think back, what, months ago, we argued about whether or not you'd actually trade Tony Snell, and, I mean... Uh, for, for nothing, whether we'd salary dump Tony Snell. Correct. Right? Like we, we, and I'm curious if, if it would just be a salary dump, can you actually get something for him? I don't really know what the deal would be, but uh, I thought it was interesting to hear that the Bucks are exploring that. Yeah, Tony's one of those interesting guys, because, I mean, if this was, you know, like, baseball, you you'd probably just happily keep Tony Snell because you're not worried about, you know, luxury tax, salary cap, 
any other stuff. Um, you know, Tony, it, Tony makes makes more money than his role would suggest he should. Let, let's phrase it that way. Um, I think Tony's been really good for the Bucks this year, but um, especially with obviously Brogdon moving to the starting five, um, you know, with just the relative depth they've had on the wing with guys like Sterling and, um, you know, earlier in the season, uh, Pat Connaughton, DiVincenzo. Um, there's just been a lot of congestion on the wing. And Tony's ironically been kind of the, the one um, constant off the bench, at least, in terms of always kind of getting minutes and always um, finding uh, finding a role. He's not kind of shuffled in and out of the lineup or anything like that. But um, but yeah, I mean, to not just him, but the fact that, especially with that player option a couple years from now, I mean, you know, it's this year plus two more years thereafter. Uh, you know, he's on the hook for a while. And um, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, I think there are scenarios where, you know, if you were to be in a position where you decided to either not bring back or um, by choice or, or otherwise uh, Eric Bledsoe or um, Malcolm Brogdon. Um, I mean, we've seen Tony Snell slide into the starting five when one or both those guys have been hurt this season already. Um, you know, Tony's kind of like a guy who actually like could plug in and play a lot. If uh, you had an injury to one of the, kind mm-hmm. of your current, major backcourt guys. I mean, George, George Hill obviously has also played a major role since the trade. Um, so it's kind of interesting because like, you know, if Tony Snell had a little bit more daylight to play more then um, you'd probably feel a lot better about the contract number. Um, you know, he came in tonight shooting 42% from three, um, you know, doing, I'd say more stuff. <laughs> that's what, that's what you always say, right? It's Tony Snell yep. thing or no, Tony Snell's yep. things. Yes. Or, yeah, he's he's been. I think you know. I think we'd all agree showing a more well-rounded game than really he ever has before. Sixty-two uh, percent, sorry, sixty-one percent true shooting. Um, he's been really good, and obviously defensively he's malleable. Um, you know, you you I, when we talked about this a couple of months ago, you know, I, I basically said I, I would trade him basically for cap space, essentially, you know, for for a salary because of what to give you this summer. And the fact that, you know, you, you have these other guys on the wing who can, you know, plug in and at least, you know, you're, especially when you're not, when you don't have injuries. Um, I don't know if you really lose and lose that much of anything. Um, but I would say Tony, since we had that conversation has continued to play very well, um, been very consistent. And, you know, I think your bigger point was why mess with stuff right now, right? Like if you've got a guy who's playing really well in a role, even Mm -hmm. if he is a little overpaid, um, he's obviously not old, right? He's 27. You should continue to do this throughout the length of his contract. But, um, you know, you just stale down the barrel of the, the coming summer and the luxury tax and what it's going to take to keep Eric, Malcolm, Brooke, and Chris. And, yeah, if you had Tony Snell's contract wipe off the books, I mean, again, like, even if you are, you know, intent on re-signing Chris and – you find, you know, are going to bring back Brooke on like a mid-level deal. Um, you know, you have suddenly a lot of flexibility, especially if you were to lose Bledsoe or you wanted to upgrade from Bledsoe. If you don't have that Snell contract, um, you've got, you know, potential to open up 30 million plus in cap space. So, um, so yeah, that changes things. And so it's, it's definitely a, a, a tough spot for, I think, um, I mean, it's a good position for a franchise to be in that, you know, you have the depth that you could make a move like this, but 
you know, it's not the kind of thing you, you want to do when things are going so well. And obviously Tony's one of those guys who he's, he's a quiet guy, but he's also a guy that I think everybody in the locker room likes. And, you know, he's, I don't want to, I don't know if like a glue guy is the right word for it, but yeah, I think he's kind of a glueish guy. You know, he's a good locker room guy. People like him and he's obviously been here a little while. And, you know, obviously you just never know, right. Chemistry wise is, is trading away a guy like this, who's kind of been a really consistent piece of the rotation in the locker room. Is that, is that going to have maybe a bigger negative effect than, than you kind of project it might be. But again, this is kind of the challenge with, with the business side of things and finding the right balance. Yeah. And, and it's funny to think like, I'm, I, where have you moved for, have you moved at all from your position? Like, are you, are you feeling less likely to make that move more likely to make that move? Because in like the month or so since we've had that conversation, I think I'm even further solidified in like, if I, if there's a move that you know if I'm just salary dumping Tony Snell, I think that's going to make me just slightly worse. Uh, man, I think there's a good chance this Bucks team can come out of the East right now, and I don't know if if that's a, a thing you want to endanger. So I think I'm almost further solidified. Uh, have you moved at all on the idea of trading Tony Snell, or are you still thinking that you could you could end up doing that? I mean, the other the other contract, obviously, that you would say, I mean, the, the, the contract you would really want to move would be Urson, right? Um, yep. Rhetorical question, obviously. Um, so I, I think that's one question is, do you have any ability to dump Urson's contract instead? Um, and I I don't know. I It's kind of tough. I, I just sort of assume that Bud wants to keep Urson. Um, and maybe I'm just sort of over-indexing on, on the bud love for Ursan. Um, but clearly, I mean, he's the weak part, weak link in the rotation right now. Um, I, I think, you know, we would both agree like Thon Maker would be better, better spent minutes at this point. Um, and that's obviously kind of that, that whole other discussion around Thon's trade demand and kind of how he fits in and whether, you know, he's just being basically punished for his agent kind of putting the bucks in a bad spot. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that's kind of one question is like, you know, do you think there's any chance you could get to the summer and then dump Ursan's contract? And I'd, I mean, is someone really going to take Ursan's contract and say, I want to pay that guy 7 million, even if it's just one year guaranteed. I, I kind of doubt it. Um, at this point, I mean, hopefully he just starts to play a lot better, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of just a, um, a difficult spot because, I definitely like what Tony Snell does for this team more than, than Ursan. Um, but Tony also makes, you know, $4 million more per year and he's got multiple years left on his contract. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. The other thing too is, um, I don't know. I don't know how common, I don't know, like if the, you know, if, if you said, if Tony Snell was available, I don't know how many teams would view him as, you know, a neutralish asset versus a negative asset versus Agreed. whatever. I, so like, that's what I think is the most interesting about all of this. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's teams out there that would, that are weak on the wing, like early in the season when the Rockets had like no wing players and, you know, we're desperately, we're really hurting from the, the Trevor Ariza departure. Um, I, I thought to myself, well, like, man, wouldn't the Rockets like to do, you know, I, I was looking around at the Rockets have enough kind of expiring salaries to, to make a move for Tony Snell. Like, was there an opportunity there? And, you know, obviously it just didn't seem like, I don't know if there was really a way to do it. Salary aggregation. I, I don't remember to be honest what their, what their cap sheet looked like at the time, but, um, but it's, uh, 
there's got to be. I, I imagine there is a team out there that would probably view him as at least like a neutral asset that you know might be willing to to deal him for like an expiring contract or something like that. Um, I think I feel like the Pelicans before they stopped caring about winning, yeah. like when they were still trying to win, like they desperately need wing help that can shoot threes, right? Because uh, they're like four and five heavy, and it's like okay, maybe there would have been something there, but obviously they're just not yeah and I, <laughs> they're, they're, they're whatever they and are i think right it, i think an interesting thing to wonder too is like you know you've got in new york and a number of people have asked me about this and i have i've not tweeted an answer so i apologize for people who've asked um another people have asked after the the porzingis trade well west matthews sounds like he's going to be uh, in the buyout market you know should the bucks try to go get west matthews and one of the reasons i haven't really answered is because like i like is Wet Matthews gonna gonna play for the Bucks like right now given kind of the current depth like I don't I don't think right now you really need Wes Matthews but like I mean if you were able to find somebody who wanted Tony Snell for an expiring contract and let's just say it's somebody who's not gonna play um, you know like I mean if you dealt Tony Snell and then just picked up and I'm, again I'm just making this up but and then just pick up you know Wes Matthews on you know a minimum contract on the buyout market then I'm guessing you feel a lot better about at least your depth, right? Because again, Wes Matthews and Tony Snell, I mean, we can debate like who's better, who's worse um, at this point of their careers. Um, but, you know, I'd say they're close enough that, you know, you'd, you'd say that's a fair, that the, if you can get off Tony's contract and then have a guy like Matthews basically on a, you know, minimum deal to kind of get you through the season, you don't feel like you're like, oh man, we've just given away this, this major talent, you know, or, or lost a key talent from the roster. But again, that's saying a lot of things are going to happen here. And you could argue, well, why not? Why is that team that is trading for Tony Snell's contract, not just going to go out and guess, get Wes Matthews himself. Right. So um, yeah, it's an interesting question, but I think, I think it's also an interesting question this summer if if kind of the cap leads to kind of crazy spending. Um, could a guy like Tony suddenly start to look more attractive because other guys who do similar things get paid, you know, similar or more or something like that? As I was thinking about this today because, you know, I was thinking about the buyout market obviously for a while now and that seeming like the most likely option for the Bucks. And, you know, as I was going through all of it, it was just like, are the Bucks? too deep for the buyout market right now yeah. <laughs> like because if you're if you're wesley matthews and you get you get bought out though the bucks are very good and though the bucks would, would probably be able to get you i don't know 15 20 minutes a night and, and maybe they wouldn't maybe tony Snow would all play him. i don't really know but you know like you for me i was thinking oh yeah you know you 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 could be a player in the buyout market and now it's like well if you're Wesley Matthews, like the Sixers are more attractive because they're a mess outside of their top yep. three. So it's like, yeah, you can, you can step into some minutes there and you look at the Rockets and it's like, well, they have a bunch of injuries and they've had some inconsistent play from the wing. So it's like, okay, you could, you could go there. And, uh, you know, if, if really all you want to do is win a ring, you can always go sign with the Warriors. And because their roster is so top heavy. Like there's probably some minutes for you there. Uh, you can probably play for them there. And then that's why when, when you look at the bucks, like the fact that they have uh, kind of this, the way that they built their team, it's, you know, requires contributions a little bit more from two through seven. 
on the roster, like they're kind of more set there where, you know, they're, they're not as top heavy as some of these other teams that are going to be in the buyout market. And, you know, like you just think of all of the different things that we're going to say, and we're about to talk about something else like this, but, you know, to think the bucks would be in a spot where they're too good for the buyout market. (laughs) Like what? That that's, that's crazy. And, you know, I think not that the bucks, wouldn't love to be on the buyout market, but they just kind of have too much depth. And, you know, if you are a player that was bought out, like you're kind of looking for opportunity because you're probably looking, I mean, you're, you're trying to prove it for the rest of the year that you're worth something to someone uh, and deserve more money next year. So uh, the Bucks have, oddly enough, kind of played their way out of that in some ways. And um, I guess we can move to the last thing, unless there's anything else you want to say on on that um the the last thing i was going to mention today and i'm sure all of you are furious that we have buried the lead because the lead should 100 be frank no doubt about it anthony davis to milwaukee right i, I thought i thought you were gonna say that christian wood has played in two straight games and scored five points in garbage time tonight but um <laughs> No, I guess the um, the the um, middle class man's Christian Wood, Anthony Davis. We can talk about him too. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, we talked a little bit about this a while ago. Uh, we actually Anthony Davis got brought up at the live pod. Remember? Yep. Um, he got brought up, and uh, you know, Alex Lazary bit his tongue because no tampering. Uh, but um, you know, we talked about yeah, Anthony Davis. Uh, yeah, uh, make it happen, but not going to happen. Um, we were not worried about Anthony Davis and Giannis figuring out a way to play together. Uh, sure, yeah, if, if you can get a top you know, X player in the league, uh, you do that. But um, the interesting wrinkle today, we, we've obviously talked about how we just don't really feel the Bucks have the type of assets that you know would match what the Pelicans are looking for, namely you know, young, upside-y, cost-controlled guys and first round draft picks and the bucks have basically none of of either apologies to dj wilson and sterling brown and company we love them but they're not upside type type players um but uh yeah but then today we we heard the wrinkle um we, we obviously talked a lot about you know would um would anthony davis uh basically tell the clippers or the sorry the pelicans I want to go to the Lakers and make that happen. And I don't want to go to other places thereby, you know, changing the whole leverage dynamic. He does want to go to the Lakers, but um, the Lakers are not the only team that he wants to go to. And in fact, the other teams that are on his list of teams that he would um, resign with after his contract is up following next year uh, via Woj and Shams is uh, the Lakers. No surprise. The Clippers, no real surprise. The Knicks, uh, I, not surprising, but kind of annoying that the Knicks like just are always on these lists, <laughs> even though they don't deserve it. Uh, and the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and I think that was it, right? Or was there, were there any other teams? Or was, was it those four, I think? No, I think that's right. Yeah. So um, obviously that sent a shockwave across, across Bucks Twitter. I think most people realize that the Bucks, you know, don't have the assets to, you know, even bid against the Lakers, right? The Lakers offer that keeps getting turned down you know, with future first round picks and 
some combination of Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma and I don't know if Josh Hart's still mentioned, but you know their their coterie of former second overall picks it seems um, are are certainly in play. And um, Malcolm Brogdon again, restricted free agent to be. I guess you could say that you know he he could certainly be part of a package because you would be able to you know likely throw a lot of money at him, but then you're playing a ton of money to Malcolm Brogdon, which no, no disrespect to Malcolm Brogdon isn't like the most valuable thing in the world. So yeah, we've obviously talked about why we don't think that's necessarily, you know, particularly meaningful, but we had not heard, of course, that Anthony Davis was actually not just, you know, neutral on signing Milwaukee, but that he indicated that, uh, that he actually is on this list of preferred trade partners. So let me ask you this, Eric, um, do you take this at face value? Uh, how cynical would you be about this? Is this just Rich Paul, his agent, trying to um you know pick some teams that can't offer as good a deal as the lakers thus making it easier to justify getting traded to the lakers is this him picking a small market team to make it look like he's not just uh chasing the big city lights how do you how do you process this you took my cynical point. Uh, that is, I believe that is exactly what is being done here. That uh, the Rich Paul and his his clutch crew are going through and trying to think of ways that you know you can kind of say it's not just the Lakers. That's not the only thing we like. So you know you throw in the Clippers, who are also based in Los Angeles. So you can make the the Los Angeles big market play, which is which is just great. Well done. Um, unfortunately for that point of view, uh, Anthony Davis senior had a, had a big problem with the way that the Celtics treated Isaiah Thomas. And, you know, I'm trying to think who was the Clippers best player last year. I'm trying to, man, I can't put my finger. Oh, Blake Griffin. And they said something to the effect of um, Clipper for life, I believe. And got him to sign a huge contract and then traded him to Detroit. Um, so I, I got to say, you know, maybe loyalty isn't actually the point you're trying to push across. So as you're saying, uh, you, you don't want him to, to go to Boston because they treated Isaiah Thomas poorly because the, well, the Clippers traded Blake Griffin probably just as poorly um, as, as the Celtics treated Isaiah Thomas. So, I mean, that's, that's a really tough spot, but still great job. Los Angeles on the list. It's it's not just it's not just Los Angeles either, though. Big markets that the the Knicks can be on the list. That's okay. That's fine because they're also a big market. So you have two big markets, and then in the end, you have to make sure that you gotta also have a small market on there. So why don't you go find the small market team that is currently the best team in the league, the paragon for making right decisions with a superstar in a small town market and you pick the Milwaukee Bucks and you, you say that and all of a sudden uh, your bases are covered. You are not uh, showing large market bias. You are not uh, showing LA bias. Uh, even though you would like to be in LA and play for the Lakers, you've managed a way now to put some other teams on the list and make it very possible to trade uh, to, to trade your client to those places, except the Bucks can't make a deal. The Knicks can't make a deal. And the Clippers... Wait, let me, let, me, let, me ask that, let me ask that question. So I, we talked about how, uh, obviously, the lack of um, 
the lack of clarity on where the Knicks pick in the 2019 draft is going to be, that creates obviously a lot of uncertainty that both the Knicks as well as the Pelicans or, or any other team might kind of struggle with, right? Because it's like, how mm-hmm. do you value that pick before you know where it's going to land? Uh, especially with the new draft rules in place, you know, like even if you thought they were going to be the worst team, you know, the odds have dropped from what, 25% to 14%, I think, to get the first overall pick. So there's less certainty than ever in terms of where you're going to end up. Um, but the Knicks, I do at least find interesting because I mean, like, let me ask this, like, and this, this also is like another reason why I, like, I don't think the Bucks can compete because if the Knicks offered, um, and I think probably their biggest problem is, um, lack of like matching kind of cap, lack of matching contracts for cap purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they could do this in the summer in theory, um, which uh, may not be as appealing given, uh, they want to keep as many, uh, contract slots open as possible. But, um, but they could offer something like, you know, like I assume, like, wouldn't you agree that if they offered, well, let's just say they end up with like the third pick in this year's draft, right? The third pick in this year's draft plus Dennis Smith plus Kevin Knox. I mean, right there, that just destroys anything the Bucks can offer, right? And, 100%. you know, so I mean, then I'd say the Knicks could potentially do deals even if they don't get the first overall pick. Um, they've, but, they've also got those. They've also got those two map picks. So I mean, they've got like they also have like more. I would say assets um, than than a team like. The I was under the impression we were talking about this trade deadline. Uh, yeah, I guess, but I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard to even talk about AD without considering both, right? Do you what? What's your take? Do you think? What do you think is the probability that he gets traded by this trade deadline? Ugh. I don't know, oh man. I've been going back and forth on it because I mean, there, I think it's going to be how stubborn the Benson family is. And if they refuse to trade him to the Lakers, uh, because I mean, I think the Lakers are going to throw everything at them picks, all of their, all of their young players. Like, I think they're going to throw the, the entirety of that, that, closet at at the pelicans so i think it's gonna end up just being whether or not they want to do it and i think ultimately they're gonna say no and wait until the summer and hope that the celtics get in on it and they aren't gonna get strong-armed by rich paul um but i don't feel great about it i I think there's a world that exists that they could just eventually say like okay we want this to be done like we're we're tired of this as a franchise because I think it only, I don't say it only gets uglier, but you know, there's probably going to be an argument from rich Paul and Anthony Davis that, Hey, uh, don't play me the rest of the year. I don't want to play because I want to get traded. And the Pelicans are going to be like, well, you know, we'd like to have you healthy. So we don't want you to play either. And I feel like that's just going to get, messy for everyone involved not that you can't find an injury to get him out for for a little while uh and get him to sit out the rest of the season but i don't know i just feel like there there could be some some nastiness that could play out when there's literally uh, you're literally just playing out the string to get to the summer to get him somewhere else um so i don't know if that, if that's what they'd be interested in as a franchise so i will say i think it's like there's like a 30% chance he gets traded before the deadline. Where are you at? I used to think it was really low. I think it's gotten a lot higher. 
Um, I don't know if it's 50, 50, it seems like there's just a lot more buzz about something possibly happening. And, you know, you mentioned it, both sides have an incentive to like rip the bandaid, you know, AD. I mean, think about it, right. I mean, like we said the other day, I mean, he's looking at potentially wasting, um, a spring, right. I mean, he could go to presumably play in the playoffs for some team, um, wasting an all NBA season. Yeah. uh, Wasting an all NBA season. Instead he's, you know, he would basically just sit out and, you know, lose a chance to go, go win a championship somewhere. Um, and again, I'm not saying that the Lakers are going to go win a championship if it's him and LeBron and, you know, like five G league players or something, uh, (laughs) rounding up the roster. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely an incentive for them to do it. I I think it's, it's just such a fascinating thing because I think so much of it really comes down to, um, can you scare off the Celtics and, it's kind of weird because yep. like the Celtics almost like, do they almost like have to try to make a move? Um, do they, do they have to, I mean, again, they can't, they can't have Kyrie and AD on the team at the same time until the summer. So do they have to, you know, like in, in the word today was that they've basically indicated that they'll do whatever to get Anthony Davis this summer. Um, but I mean, what if Kyrie leaves on July one? then Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis doesn't want to be there. Flip side, if they basically agree to make this trade, you know, on draft night, right, ahead of July 1, then do you basically use that as a way to make sure that Kyrie does want to stay, right? So there's, you know, like there's, there's kind of just a different angles to it. But I think the Celtics and, you know, Kyrie potentially being in play, um, all that just creates so much chaos around everything. Um, and clearly I think the, you know, if, if, if AD really wants to go to uh, LA and, um, you know, that seems to be the indication. Uh, and if he wants to get this done sooner rather than later, which I don't know why he wouldn't, um, then I don't know. You kind of wonder like, is there going to be more of a nuclear option used, um, the rest of this week, right. In the next few days, uh, to, to try to make something happen. Cause really the only reason to do it now would be, um, if you basically convince the Celtics that it's too risky to give up, you know, Tatum or whatever premium assets this summer so that the Pelicans can say, well, we weren't going to get Jason Tatum. So we'll take whatever we can get. And the Lakers offer was the best we could do. Right. Um, so Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely an interesting kind of little, um, you know, leverage game and it's interesting because you've got players who are on different teams that aren't even involved potentially in the trade impacting how teams are you know whether they're going to bid it more or less etc it's just a, a really interesting dynamic by the way one more conspiracy theory angle to anthony davis including the, the yes. box on the list um was this and i don't know like on some level like i guess like bucks ownership john horst they would they could use this, even though they aren't really in a position to do anything about it. And, you know, despite uh, Gary Wolfel's reports last week, that they had offered the whole team other than Giannis. Um, who was it today? Somebody reported that the Bucks haven't actually made an offer to, to, this, to the Pelicans, which... Kinda, it was well. Yeah. Yeah. So, shocker. Um, that that would be the actual case. Um, but weird. 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 That other weird. guy always gets stuff right. Weird. Um, but uh, what if... Rich Paul said, hey, Bucks, you know, Eric Bledsoe's having a great year. Um, 
we want to have a good discussion with you guys this summer. We want to make sure we get a good long-term deal for Eric. Um, why don't we, why don't we throw you, I saw that as well. Why don't yeah. we throw you on the list and, um, give, <laughs> give, give my, my friends in Milwaukee a little shine, throw AD on, throw, throw you on AD's list so you guys can, you know, put that on a bumper sticker, right? Anthony Davis was willing to come here. Um, and then, uh, this summer we'll, we'll all laugh about this and you'll, you'll give an extra couple million dollars per year when, when I ask you to, to make Eric Bledsoe an offer this summer. Uh, I don't know, maybe that might be another angle. And, and obviously, I mean, even if we take away sort of the, the, I mean, we've obviously gone heavy here on the, the conspiracy stuff. Um, clearly the Bucks being, <laughs> having the best record in the league, um, Anthony Davis being from Chicago, you know, also could be part of this too, right? Like he would be very close to home. Mm-hmm. He's obviously not a guy who is, I mean, he's, he's lived in crappy weather before, so it might not be as big of a deal to him as maybe somebody who is from Florida or, or something like that. Um, so, I mean, there's obviously good reasons to believe that Anthony Davis would in fact be willing to come here, would in fact be willing to resign. I mean, you know, this, this could be kind of a, you know, a, I mean, it's kind of risky to, to say that you'd be willing to do that because you never know what actually might happen. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing. There's a lot of different ways you can kind of parse it, but it's nice. Good to good to good to know. Um, Bucks get a nice little positive spin out of it, and um, AD looks like a more reasonable person as he you know basically cancels out wanting to go to the Knicks, I guess, and uh, <laughs> and ultimately. Nothing's really going to come of it, so um, you know nobody got hurt. I okay, guess, the, um, the, the uh, we're gonna. I haven't prepped you for this, so I, I apologize. Steve Von Horn, Steve Von Horn, and you. But um, I get a lot of questions about all of the insane ways in which the Bucks could offer uh, something that could be attractive to the Pelicans for Anthony Davis. So, uh, for the record, how many first round picks could the Bucks offer? in a trade for Anthony Davis. Their next two are tied up. So uh, they could do some pick swaps, right? Uh, yeah, I don't So I think they're, it's most likely that those deals are going to, that those picks are going to convey in 2020 and 2022, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, mm-hmm. Cause they're, it's not likely to convey this year to, to Phoenix. Um, so that'll be uh 2020, uh, to Phoenix, and then you know uh, I'd have to double check what the protections are on on the uh, the Cleveland ones, but those are pretty, um, you know, uh, I, I think I recall correctly, it was likely to be 2022. So um, I think if depending on uh, we have to double check, but I think you could maybe do 2024. <laughs> uh, Ooh. And I don't know. I'm trying to think if you would even be allowed to trade a 2026 pick. Um, I'd have to double check because again, there is a, a limit on how far out you can trade future first round picks because they don't want you, you know, they don't want the, the GM of today basically taking away all the picks of the GM 10 years from now um, when that guy's lost his job. Um, so you couldn't go every other for the next like 15 years or something like that. Like there, there is an actual limit. Yeah. I want to say it's, um, you know, if you gave me more time to look at this, I think I'm in the part of thing that'll, that'll tell me this, but, um, but it, <laughs> okay, it, there is I'll a limit. I think it is, like, I think it it is like seven years or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, there, there are, there are limits to that. Um, and, uh, uh, but there, there are, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. 
So, okay. This so is good, the, this is good. This is hashtag good radio right now. That's okay. Most people have already stopped listening. Um, so let's see other crazy hypotheticals. I think I've seen. Um, oh God. Yeah. I, so you can trade seven drafts into the future. Seven drafts into the future. So uh, for people ask me if you could go every other for the next 10 years, you cannot. Um, and the Bucks already have a couple tied up. Uh, 2025 is the, is the furthest out you could do. Okay. Um, and then someone had mentioned pick swaps, but I don't understand why a pick swap would be attractive because the Bucks are likely going to be quite good yeah. for a little while. Um, so again, like you're looking at that seven year rule and then getting out of the protections of the current picks that the bucks have. Uh, so that doesn't really help out a lot. Um, and then I don't even like, I don't even have any other good ideas. Um, everything else is so far off to me. Um, that I, I just don't, I don't even think it's realistic to, to go through like, uh, I really have nothing. And I've, I've said it again. Uh, I've said it again and again, but you know, like if, if if one of the Bucks young guys on a rookie contract maybe had superstar potential, like maybe you could get a, a, a you know, just a at least a chance at it. But you, because uh, you're you're ignoring future MVP thon maker, is that what's happening right now? Uh sorry, KG, that is what I'm doing. Um, but you know, like you look through all those guys, like again, that's not to say they're not nice players and they they wouldn't help out a team like you know dj wilson would help out the the pelicans if he could find time at the four or the five um but you know like there, there's there's depth here for the bucks to give some guys that could help but ultimately there's not anything really that pops there and you know i've seen some people be like well why wouldn't you take chris middleton and you know sure at the end of the year he's going to uh, opt out and he's going to need a new contract, but you'd have bird rights and you could offer him the, the biggest amount of money. And it's like, well, the reason you, that wouldn't be attractive is because here in Milwaukee, everyone's been terrified of that contract. Like, it's not like at the end of the year, all of a sudden you, you get to sign Chris Middleton to a five-year max. You can go up over the top of everyone else. And, and you're really a hundred percent sure that's a great contract. Like there's, there's probably still going to be some questions there. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, I think that goes for just about any of the guys on an expiring deal. Like oh, Brooke Lopez been one of the, you know, best guys in the league and are one of the best contract values in the league. And, you know, he's been great at center this year and only got to hit two threes and two blocks. And it's like, well, okay. Yeah. That's it's, it is very good right now. And I think it'd be very good for closer to eight to 10 million. But again, you're, you're not getting, the great value that those guys would have right now. So um, yeah, Anthony Davis trade, not realistic. So just, uh, just want to get that out there. I think we've made it very clear in the past, but I just wanted to make it just slightly more clear. Even if you do dream up all sorts of uh, fantastic kind of op- outcomes and options and ideas. So uh, you know, you know what I'm hoping for? I don't know what you're hoping for. I mean, I'm not even considering a, uh, AD to Milwaukee trade. So, uh, what I'm hoping for is that um, he does get traded to the Lakers. Lakers give up like everything, like all their future picks, like everything for sure. for AD. And then, um, yeah, he'll just be in LA with LeBron as LeBron gets old. And um, I don't know, maybe they add another star, but um, he'll be in the Western Conference at least. I just don't want him to go to the Celtics. 
to me, that's the like the Celtics are in a really interesting. I honestly spot. think everyone is hoping that the Celtics get screwed over. Yeah, like I think I don't know of anyone who's like, you know what? I just really want him to get to the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, I, and, I feel like no one thing, no one thinks. Yeah, that. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people don't want him to go to the Lakers either, right? Because screw the Lakers. But at least the Lakers sure. are crappy and in a different conference than uh, you know. The Lakers are are you know hateable but in a different conference um which takes precedent over the hateable team in your own conference which is obviously the celtics so uh so yeah i I, i'll take you know hey if la is the most likely thing that we can expect might happen then i'll just root for that to happen and um you know the uh, i guess jason kidd uh leaked or you know jason kidd's camp leaked out uh that that you know the uh, Lakers might look at him, be interested in him if they fire Luke Walton. Um, so yeah, let's let's see. You know, Jason Kidd ruin LeBron the last few years of LeBron's career with with Anthony Davis. Sure, go ahead. You know, we won't have to worry about them in the finals, <laughs> I guess, at any point. Um, and and yeah, I, I, part of me is like, you know, like in the same way that one wants to, you know. Some people like to watch, uh, you know, videos of like skateboarding injuries or um, I don't know, gross things. Um, I'm kind of interested in almost watching the Jason Kidd um, uh, <laughs> TV performance on NBA TV tonight. But alas, I watched uh, the FS Wisconsin feed. So um, thank you, Jim Paschke, Marcus Johnson, uh, Katie George, and Dario Melendez. I enjoyed my evening watching the game with you. And uh, I guess I'll just have to wait another time to listen to Jason Kidd to do what I guess he. I'm still not even clear what. I was, I was gonna say, is there did. is there someone out there that can that hate watched it for all of us? Like, if there is someone out there in Bucks Twitter that's done it, you know, can someone feel free to put a thread out of all of the things that he said? Because I, I mean, I can't imagine he did anything but you know gnash his teeth the entire time. Well, I'm sure he mostly just. Uh, complimented Giannis and talked about how he developed how he developed Giannis and and stuff like that um major talking major talking point um but uh yeah if someone maybe can do like a super cut of him um, I'm I'm guessing I I heard he did the entire third quarter broadcast wise so I'm guessing he I'm guessing he probably said the word understands like 60 times in in a 20 minute stretch so maybe a, a super cut of him saying uh, understanding and understands since that's his favorite word uh and he uses it in such a like a weird way um but uh all right i feel i feel like you know yeah, you know it's time to end we're gonna you know we're gonna to need to podcast. get me out of here before yeah. i get in trouble you know it's time to end the podcast when we're talking about jason kidd so uh have a good night everybody uh for eric name i'm frank matt <laughs> <laughs> Eric, Eric can't talk anymore. Uh, enjoy. Go look at the Bucks. Go look at the NBA standings. Uh, admire it because uh, it keeps getting better and better. Uh, and uh, this has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.